0: Welcome to the podcast. I'm Dr. Jennifer Stanley. I'm a clinical assistant professor at ECU Health in the Departments of Medicine and Psychiatry. Today I have joining me Dr. Maxwell Miller, and he is going to talk with us about two different antipsychotic medications, aripiprazole and iliperidone.
1: Thank you, Dr. Stanley. I'm Maxwell Miller, a fourth-year internal medicine and psychiatry resident at ECU Health Medical Center, Brody School of Medicine. So to start things off, aripiprazole came after the release of clozapine, olanzapine, quetiapine, and ziprasidone, which all had promise and showed high efficacy However, the search remained for a second-generation agent with a more favorable side effect profile. We could start with its mechanism of action. And since this is the basis for much of how it differs from other second-generation antipsychotics, we know that all antipsychotics generally work by suppressing dopamine receptors. However, in contrast, aripiprazole has a unique mechanism where it acts as a partial agonist at dopamine D2 and serotonin 5-HT1A and 5-HT2A receptors. So to review, there are four classic dopamine-mediated pathways. Mesolimbic, which is largely responsible for the positive symptoms like hallucinations and delusions. The mesocortical pathway, which is thought to be responsible for the cognitive or negative symptoms seen in psychotic disorders. These are the dopamine receptors we want to target. The next two, nigrostriatal and tuberoinfundibular, you can consider the pathways which mediate many of these side effects. With the nigrostriatal pathway, you get motor and extrapyramidal symptoms. With the tuberoinfundibular pathway, Suppression leads to prolactin-mediated symptoms such as
0: gynecomastia and impotence. So it sounds like moderating dopamine regionally as a partial agonist as opposed to the frank inhibition across the board theoretically minimizes the negative side effects. Precisely. And that is
1: just focusing on the dopamine receptors. We also have activity at the serotonin receptors,
0: which is thought to have some anxiolytic and antidepressant effects. With all these different benefits, it would make sense that eripiprazole is used for multiple conditions. Can you tell us what it is used for? Yes, you are exactly right. So let's
1: review some of these FDA-approved uses. Aeropripazole was first approved for the treatment of schizophrenia in 2002. As of now, it is approved for patients as young as 13 years old. It is also approved for treatment of acute mania associated with bipolar 1 disorder. And to note, Aripiprazole can be used as monotherapy or as an adjunct to mood stabilizer like lithium or Depakote in bipolar 1 disorder. Additionally, as we discussed, the antidepressant effects can also be beneficial in patients who need adjunctive treatment in the setting of resistant major depressive disorder. More recently, it has also been approved for use in Tourette's and irritability associated with autism spectrum disorder. And how is Aripiprazole
0: get dosed or given?
1: So Aripiprazole is available as 5, 10, 15, 20, 30 milligram tablets and has the benefit of once daily dosing and does not require it to be given in any particular time relative to meals or things of that nature, water, for instance. So It is recommended to start at 10 to 15 milligrams daily, with usual dose range being 10 to 30 milligrams daily. Also note that there are no dose adjustments needed for renal or hepatic impairment. However, in patients also taking CYP2D6 or CYP3A4 inhibitors, such as fluoxetine, paroxetine, or tricyclic antidepressants, the initial dosing would need to be reduced by 50%. The opposite is true for patients taking a medication such as carbamazepine or other medications, which would be CYP3A4-inducers, as they could potentially reduce the efficacy of aripiprazole, and thus a higher dose of aripiprazole may be needed. Can you tell us what formulations of aripiprazole are available? So you have the options of an oral solution, long-acting injectables, oral dissolvable tablets, tablets, and intramuscular formulation, as well as a tablet with a sensor, also
0: known as aripiprazole mysite. And how would one go about starting a long-acting injectable form of aripiprazole? Aripiprazole,
1: or Abilify Mantana, has a long half-life of 28 days, and this is a long-acting injectable which may be used. It reaches maximum plasma concentrations at about 5 to 7 days after the initial injection. So this intramuscular injection, aripiprazole or Abilify Mantana, can be given every 4 weeks or 26 days apart. As with other long-acting injectables, it is necessary to ensure that the patient has responded well and tolerates oral aripiprazole prior to trial of the long-acting injectable. Once the initial injection is given, patients should continue oral aripiprazole for 14
0: days while achieving steady state. Are there any safety concerns or considerations to be aware of with aripiprazole? The common ones, which
1: are seen in many second-generation or first-generation antipsychotics, but some notable ones and some that are specific to aripiprazole is an increased risk of suicidality until the age of 24, which also applies to selective serotonin reuptake inhibitors, or SSRIs. And the FDA has also issued warnings about impulse control problems associated with eripiprazole after a total of 184 case reports identified this association. The majority of patients had no prior history of any impulsive behaviors or urges, and the behavior stop within two weeks of discontinuation of aripiprazole. Is aripiprazole safe to use in pregnancy? Aripiprazole has been shown to cross the placenta. In studies, there has been some data to suggest that use in the third trimester has been associated with abnormal involuntary movements and other symptoms, including agitation, feeding difficulty, hypertonia, hypotonia, respiratory distress, somnolence, and tremor in the newborn. Additionally, aripiprazole does pass into the breast milk, so exercise caution with breastfeeding should be a recommendation you would make to your patients who this may be a consideration for. Trials, however, demonstrating any other major congenital defects are very limited. As far as pregnancy is concerned, this would ultimately come down to you sitting down with your patient and
0: having a risk versus benefit discussion. Can you elaborate on Aripiprazole's role in treating major depressive disorder? The use of
1: second generation or atypical antipsychotics as adjuncts for antidepressant therapy is not as novel a concept anymore. It's it's becoming more and more common in practice. There have been combinations with fluoxetine, olanzapine, for example, as well as risperidone and citalopram, which have mixed results. Upwards of 60% of patients experience inadequate response following antidepressant therapy, making this a major challenge in treating major depression. Again, this is where eripropizole is unique in its structure and mechanism of action, and it's allowed for some utility in this particular population of patients with major depressive disorder. Studies have shown that aripiprazole was significantly more effective than adjunct or placebo for depressive symptoms and greater likelihood of achieving remission. Again, this medication as an adjunct was also well-tolerated given its favorable side effect profile. For mania and psychosis, doses are much higher than... What is should be used in adjunctive therapy for unipolar depression. Patients should start with lower doses, for example, 2 to 5 milligrams, and typically 15 milligrams of aripiprazole should not be exceeded. Are there any known contraindications to aripiprazole? Those who have a documented history of hypersensitivity to aripiprazole would be the only contraindication, as it has been shown to be safe in most disease states. It offers weight neutrality and fewer cardiac disturbances such as QTC prolongation as compared
0: with some of the other second or first generation agents. So it sounds like aripiprazole can be a very useful medication in a, a wide variety of different conditions. Thank you for for talking to us about it. Let's shift gears a little bit now and talk about the antipsychotic iloperidone.
1: Certainly. Iloperidone gained FDA approval in 2009 for treatment of patients with schizophrenia. Interestingly, it was initially reported as not approvable for use by its developer a year prior to its 2009 introduction to the market. This was due to mounting concern that iloperidol may be inferior to risperidone despite trials showing Iloperidone was efficacious when compared to placebo and that its efficacy was similar to risperidone. And how is it dosed? Typically, patients are started on one milligram twice daily and can increase by no more than two milligrams twice daily every 24 hours. The target dose is between six and 12 milligrams twice daily for maximum of 24 milligrams over the course of a day. One option available is the iloperidone or Phenat titration pack, which comes ready with two of each dosing option between one to six milligrams for twice daily dosing. Gradual titration is very important because you want to prevent common dose-related side effects of iloperidone, which could include orthostatic hypotension. Also, iloperidone has the benefit of being readily absorbed with or without food. And what formulations are available? Currently, only tablet forms are available. There is a long-acting injectable in development. However, only preliminary studies have been done, which show appropriate pharmacokinetic release and sustained plasma concentrations over four weeks, however, still in, in the process or in the works.
0: Okay. And are there any dose adjustments that need to be taken into account?
1: There are no dose adjustments for renal impairment or mild to moderate hepatic impairment. However, use is not recommended in severe hepatic impairment.
0: What side effects or safety issues should providers be aware of when they're prescribing iloperidone?
1: So the ones that are common to many other antipsychotics. It's generally well tolerated with a favorable long-term side effect profile. Studies have shown lower rates of extrapyramidal symptoms and akathisia awaken and other metabolic parameters. Some of the commonly reported symptoms, including tachycardia
0: dizziness and orthostatic hypotension, do occur. What would you say is impeding eliperidone from being one of the first-line medications used for schizophrenia?
1: There are a couple reasons. Slow titration required. Currently, it doesn't have a generic version available, so it's more costly. And it could be likely that lack of familiarity with the medication is an obstacle to its use. Speaking with regard to providers and uh, prescribing the medication, and along those same lines, not having a long-acting injectable available after starting oral medication is, doesn't necessarily make it an ideal medication.
0: As you just mentioned, lack of familiarity can restrict the medications providers know about to treat their patients with, and so thank you for talking with us about this newer medication and how we could include that in our toolbox of things we can treat our patients with. Certainly, thank you.